if Satan is a real being and he is sitting on the sidelines, he's probably just like the Michael Jackson meme eating popcorn at this point. Like, <laughs> he doesn't even have to do anything anymore. We, we, we as a church make his life easy. Did you know that Jesus was the most inclusive person? I mean, he had such a diverse group of people he hung out with. Jesus sought out the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the swearing fishermen, and actively spent time with them. You know, those people we deem as unlovable according to the societal standards? That's right. This week, Cody and I are talking about what it means to have an exclusive religion follow an inclusive God. Whether it's the Muslim community, the homeless community, the Christian community, or the LGBTQ community, we are still called to love people exactly where they are. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to the Reckless Pursuit. My name is Elaine. And my name is Cody. And you're listening to episode 70. This week we are talking about an inclusive God versus an exclusive religion. So how did this topic even get brought up, Elaine? Okay, so originally I had the idea of like, I just, I started seeing a lot of be- people posting anointing oil and I kind of was like thinking about crystals and anointing oil, essential oil, and just like all these things. And I was just like, there are different, so many different religions, but they all kind of have the same like practices, I guess, or same rituals of mm-hmm. how they worship their god or whoever they're worshiping to the the universe or whatever i just saw so many parallels of different religions and how they worship and i was just like man there's something that we could learn from a lot of other religions or even just like just the similarities we we focus so much on our differences that there actually are more similarities and we just you and I just kind of got in a conversation about it and just how Christianity as a whole there was a lot to that conversation from what I remember and and uh, it kind of started as that and then it snowballed into how a lot of groups or a lot of uh, certain influential groups that are popular in society right now have a whole lot more uh, in- inclusiveness than the church does. They're ho- they're so much better at loving people than the church is. And so we're going to talk about that today. But a couple of things before we get into that, we want to just plug a couple of things here. We have an email list and we don't really ever talk about our email list because honestly, up until this point, our email list was basically like, if you want to stay updated, you don't have a podcast player. Like we send out just basic updates for our blog posts. Info and, packets, yeah. basically. And that's all changing. We have revamped that whole system. We are actually in the process of a lot of revamping. If you may or may not have noticed, our logo has changed. Mm-hmm. It's not site-wide yet, but as of like this episode when you're hearing it, it will be on your podcast player and maybe a couple of other places. But 
throughout the next couple weeks, it's going to slowly propagate over and all that's going to take over our homepage and uh, a couple other pages are going to start popping up on our website that have resources and information just to to give every one of our listeners uh, a place to find all of this content that we're putting out there. It's a place to find other people that have been on the show and what they're up to and how to connect with them. And then it's going to be a place where we are going to house a membership site that's coming uh, with courses and free resources and extra bonus content that's tacked on, uh, you know, like the last five minutes of these shows, we're going to start actually like recording extra stuff just for these uh, just for all of you email subscribers, and we're going to try to just get an actual resource pool of information for all of you guys uh, who want more, want to just deepen their walk with Christ, but need something else than just what they're getting maybe from a church. Maybe we don't have churches. You know, that's kind of our mission here is for all of us who feel like we're the we're spiritual nomads, and we want to give a place to be able to come and and kind of a watering hole to get some of those resources. I don't know if that's a cheesy analogy, but it, it makes sense to me. So I, I like it, and I would want a watering hole for that. So uh, with that being said, if you go to therecklesspursuit.com right now, if you're doing this today, uh, there's still the ugly pop-up box that's all about to change. Later on in this week, if you are coming to this episode, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, it may look completely different. But we're in the process of switching that over, and we've already started introducing brand new content. So mm -hmm. the email list gets exclusive content, exclusive videos, exclusive uh, notes from Elaine and I. And we summed up all of those reminders, those annoying email reminders, because they were spammy, and I apologize for that. We hate spam, so we know you hate spam. <laughs> yes, or if you're already on our email list, you already got an email about that of me apologizing. But I just want to tell you again, sorry, I hate spam. Uh, all that's going to be bundled up into one single email that'll just come out sometime around lunchtime on Fridays. So you can just kind of quickly glance over. It's not going to be big, long synopsises of everything going on. It's just going to be quick little bullet points with just a little bit of information where if you're interested, you can go and find that just as a reminder of what's coming out. But otherwise, you get exclusive messages from Elaine and I every single week. And I know we've been talking about this for a little bit here, taking up a little bit of time, but I just want to emphasize that this is a place where you can reply directly to us. This is a great place to get in contact with Elaine and I. Uh, also, with that, you get a couple extra perks. We have a pool of free wallpapers that uh, you can use for your phone, that you can use. Well, right now they're just for phone but we're going to be adding more of those as well. And you may be thinking to yourself, like, that's so random. Why wallpapers? Well, I mean, for one, they're great reminders. They're great uh, promises, truth that you can help you remember uh, God's promises to us. The other big thing is, uh, you may not know this, but Elaine, is Pinterest famous? Yes, I um, kind of went viral on accident back in the fall on Pinterest. And just ever since then, I was just like, hey, like I love making wallpapers. And, and so I just kind of made like was a, a Google Drive of wallpapers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's anywhere between just um, positive and encouraging words to actual scripture based to just lyrics of popular worship songs. Yeah. And so it's uh, and they're lyrics that are approved by us that yes. aren't cheesy. Yes. Also. So just saying, um, because I'm particular about that. But uh, yeah, so if you sign up to the email list, you get those two, and those are exclusive to our email subscribers. So just a little extra incentive there. But enough rambling about all of that, 
because I think we've given you enough info to like go check that out now. Enough rambling about our email list. We've given you plenty of little bits of information and there's a lot of stuff we hadn't even told you about yet with it. So I think uh, that's a good encouragement to go check that out, I hope. But with that being said, I think it's a great time to just go ahead and start up this conversation. This is just Elaine and I sharing our heart on an inclusive God versus an exclusive religion. So let's get right to it. So what do we mean by an inclusive God versus an exclusive religion? Well, you know, I think this is something that honestly, a lot of us struggle with. We want to be inclusive as a Christian body. We should desire to want to include as many people as possible. You think about the Great Commission, go and make disciples. You think about Jesus himself. What did he do? He went out. He loved sinners, the woman at the well, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, uh, doctors. He had people from all over, and really the only ones that truly hated him were the religious people. And I think it's just a beautiful irony of the fact that like Jesus was hated by the religious community, yet here we are, the religious community, and a lot of times I feel like we take on more of the identity of the Pharisee than we do the Christ that we're supposed to be worshiping. And that's just kind of what this is about, because I believe we serve an inclusive God. You look throughout the Old Testament and you see like God's focus on Israel and how it begins to broaden as his as, as divinity begins to play out, right? Like creation as a whole starts to grow, starts to evolve. Jesus is like the ultimate uh, intercessor that is to come and to deliver life, to deliver freedom and redemption. And like God's view slowly pans out. You have like this one chosen group of people through a lot of the Old Testament. It slowly begins to pan out and pan out and pan out and pan until it becomes a global uh, inclusivity. And I think that that was God's ultimate plan always. I think that it was always in his heart, in his interest to include the world. Obviously, that's why Jesus Christ was ever born, ever died, ever rose. All of that is is his ultimate plan. But I think that we use a lot of things from the Old Testament out of context. I think that we can definitely view other people as threatening. We often kind of huddle up inside our shells and we close ourselves out to the outside world. And something that's really been stirring in, in Elaine and I's conversations that we've been having is just there is a, a, a movement in, in the LGBTQ plus community for inclusivity. And a lot of Christians take on this mentality of like, oh, well, they're actually exclusive. Like they don't want us in their circle. And I read it online. I was reading some conversations between some Christians and some uh, some people who identified as homosexual. And I thought it was actually a really interesting conversation because they the the group who identified as homosexual actually summed it up really well as saying when you have been or I guess let's just put it into person. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but give you the basic outline of what they're trying to say. Take, for instance, you have um, an abandoned dog a stray dog, and this stray dog has been abused. It takes time to rebuild up trust from other people. So you have a group of people, whether that be uh, whichever minority you want to pin that as, we're just using uh, LGBTQ plus as an example right now, but you can take any 
minority really that has ever uh, suffered at the hands of any kind of religion. And you can say, okay, well, religion, and I'm not even talking Christianity here, I'm talking any religion looks at these people and says they are bad. And after so long, they have this fear reaction based toward religion. And so it becomes this exclusive thing that someone else has and they do not include those people. And I think there's a lot of homophobia in church right now. This isn't necessarily a podcast about homophobia or even, you know, to do with the queer community. This is this is different than that. That's something we have in the works still. But I just I want to take a second and acknowledge that like we as a church have fears. And and I don't just mean those like just the LGBTQ plus. I'm talking like we have fears of outsiders in general. And we have this us versus them mentality because we're on the defense. And this is something we've talked about uh, repetitiously at this point, but it's worth mentioning that like we are on the defense. And the sad reality of that is because we feel as if we're on the verge of losing something. We feel that we are to fight for our faith, that we are to be these, I don't know if we think we're martyrs. I don't know what it exactly it is that it is in our mind, but we, we have kind of drawn lines in the sand and we have divided ourselves and we have said enough is enough. We don't want anything to do with those people because they're out to get us. And we have kind of doctored up lies because we have really kind of been fear mongered from a lot of different things to try to keep the church healthy, but it's starting to wear off. And I think throughout history, we have used fear as a tactic to keep people in church to keep people from leaving, because if you leave, you could lose it, you could backslide, you could you could lose your faith. Uh, there is an amazing comic strip by a, a man who identifies as the Naked Pastor online, that is his handle, and he has a comic strip, and he, you showed it to me, and it was a picture of someone walking away from a church, and in their mind, uh, they had a thought bubble that was just like question marks, right? And in then it showed like what the church sees, and it was like Satan carrying them away. And that's kind of the mentality we have adopted, but it's not like we've adopted that because like, oh, like, it's not, that's not a natural thing. That is manipulation from leadership that has caused this, this rift to try to keep people in because the organization needs people in seats. So at this point, I think it would almost be fair to say that a lot of this exclusiveness that we have is based off of one a a fear of of sin a fear of what people don't understand right it's based off of this fear of i don't understand these people thus forth they are hostile two it's based on a propaganda lie that you can't show people intimate love who don't know jesus or we're not taught how to do that a lot of times in church. Uh, we, we, we skim over that teaching, and I don't know what, what, what that is about that, but we spend a lot of time in church talking about how to avoid sin, but we don't really spend much time talking about how to love other people. And we view everyone as if they're sinful. We view people through this lens of those are bad, we are good, and it creates, like I said, those barriers, but we don't really teach people how to look past sin into the heart of the beauty of creation itself. And I think that's a big issue 
in in like modern Christianity. And the third thing is, of course, this fear of losing members because churches uh, are on the on the fall a lot of times. Like religion in of itself is kind of crumbling. The infrastructure is crumbling. I mean, you look at what's happening in the Southern Baptist right now with all of the allegations. It's being called, you know, the Catholic sex scandal all over again. Like a lot of these empires within church are falling right now because there's been too much crap swept under the rug and lumps are starting to show. So with that, Elaine, I just want to ask you a question. What is it about God that makes him inclusive and how have we missed that? It just goes back to just something that we reiterate on the show all the time is love God and love others and then God will handle all the rest. And I feel like in church, a lot of times we miss that or we're great at loving God. Mm-hmm. We're, we've got that down for the most part, you know, like we don't have issues with loving God specifically within the church, but loving the people and letting God handle all the rest. I think we have that flipped of letting God love them, but us handling their sin, mm-hmm. us That's controlling good. their sin, us telling them how to live their lives. And I think why it's an exclu- it can come off as an exclusive religion is because we're trying to f- always fix people, always trying to take the sin out of people, always trying to love the hell out of people. And, you know, God is just like, hey, just love them. Like, I can take care of their hearts. Like, I can take care of their sin. That is not your job. And, you know, God created them. God created those people. God created them with, you know, th- their hearts in mind. And we can just come off as exclusive because we're always trying to reel people in church and fix them and mold them to how we think they should live their lives. But that's not what God tells us to do. Well, I think that's one of the big things that that I have learned and that I've tried to like, I don't know, that I've had, I guess I've almost had to like unlearn is a lot of times whenever you think about church, what comes to mind is conformativism. And Instead of coming to a place where you go and you allow those natural things on the inside of you, those natural God-given gifts, talents, skills to grow, it's almost like conditioned to where you're put into a planter and you're told to grow a certain way. And we even have terms for this in church, and I know that you can talk about how they're, oh, these are biblical terms, whatever, but they're used as weapons, and it's, well, you, you go to get pruned, Right. I don't, have you ever heard that one? Mm-hmm. We're going to prune you. We're going to. And, and I get that. You have to, in a real tree, you have to prune off the bad stuff, whatever. I, I understand. But we use those as weapons to conform. And we spend too much time trying to prune and not enough time trying to nurture and fertilize and water. And that this is kind of that whole thing. It's It's exclusive. You come in. And you are welcome to be a part so long as you are willing to go through our conditioning. And Jesus, the beautiful thing about him to me, one of the many beautiful things is, is he is someone who grows with you or he allows you room to grow. And that's something we just, we miss so much is giving people room to grow, to blossom, to flourish as individuals, as unique personalities giving them the space they need. And instead we bring them in and we say, okay, here's all this rough stuff. So taking this to the analogy of a plant, because that's what we've used in church. We know that analogy, the whole pruning, nurturing stuff. So you take in the plant, 
And oh, so we got to cut away all the bad, cut away all the bad, cut away all the bad, cut away all the bad. And we spend so much time cutting away all the bad. Well, there is such a thing where you can actually cut away too much of something and then it has no leaves left to garnish sunlight. It has no way to store the nutrients it needs and you can actually kill the plant. And we as the church, speaking collectively, we go in and we prune that stuff out too much. We take out too much of the bad. We focus on taking out the bad, taking out the bad, taking out the bad, but we don't take time to plant them in a garden. We don't take time to nurture and water and nourish. And so we kind of stifle life and we end up burning people out or killing off the root system, however you want to look at it. There's nothing left to to grow. We, we chop it down till there's just nothing left. And we spend too much time being afraid of people going to hell that we forget that people have so much more to them than that. Well, and I think a lot of Christians even get it wrong with that of like they became Christians because they were afraid of being apart from Jesus, but really they were just afraid of burning in a lake of fire. They don't really actually have that relationship with God or they don't have a relationship with God without the fear, without the um, doubt of them even going to heaven or that's why you have a lot of Christians who if they make a mistake, they're like, oh, I have this sin. God's gonna, you know, erase my name from the book of of heaven, but that's not how God operates. But that's how we operate as people. That That's not a good oh, thing, yeah. but that is how we operate. We're like, oh, well, this person messed up erasing their name. Like I'm done with these people, but that is not what we're called to do. And, and going back to the plan analogy, going back to the Enneagram, we have different identities as individuals that God created us and instilled within us. And whenever, like just in nature, there are different flowers or different trees or different plants that need different resources, need a different amount of resources. You know, the cactuses or cacti, you know, they, they need a, sun, a lot of sun. They don't necessarily need a lot of water, but then you have other plants that need a lot of water and not a lot of sun. Sure. And whenever you just hack off that life, life supply or give too much of that life supply, you don't give those plants, those trees, those flowers room to grow. And as Christians, just as people in general, whenever you try to mold them to fit like the flower you want them to look like or the plant that you think they should be, th- there's just no room for them to be the identity that God created them to be. You can think of the word Christian and know that that person is following Christ, but that's it. There's nothing else. Nobody looks the exact same as the other Christian. Nobody's perfect. Nobody, there, there's not this picture perfect idea of what a real Christian is, but we all have this too perfect vision of what church is supposed to look like and everybody in church raising their hands and, and praising and they just all look the same and all dress the same and act the same and you know talk the same. But God didn't create us the same. He gave us, one, he gave us free will, but two, he gave us identity to be who we were called to be from him, not who we were called to be from a pastor or the pulpit or teachers or leaders. What works for us doesn't always work for somebody else. Yeah, and I think that's actually where a lot of this hurt with leadership from church comes from right now, because I know that's like a big thing, like a big topic talked about in church of like, well, you can't be an extremist against, you know, you can't go an extreme either way. There is place for leadership. I understand having 
you know, leadership guidance. or oversight guidance. I, I don't really like to look at it as leadership. I don't like it to look at someone leading because a good leader is someone who walks with people. Jesus wasn't a leader by washing the disciples' feet, but he was. That's not a leadership trait. That's not the typical sign of a leader. I'm using air quotes here. Uh, but it does show humility, which is a leadership trait in its truest sense. You have this, uh, a lot of people who are very hurt by this top-down mentality in a lot of religious institutions, and it is driving them away to the other extreme of, I don't want any spiritual counseling, I'm doing this my way. And they don't want any kind of pruning. They don't want any kind of, I mean, those are dirty words. Like, who wants to get cut away? Of course, like, no one wants that. But yes, it is healthy. We are trying to live like Jesus. That does mean we have to kind of take care of some of the messy areas of our life. The problem is there's just been too much emphasis on the messy. And it's kind of like the whole negative thought thing. If you're constantly focusing on the bad thing, trying to, even if it's trying to convince yourself, no, I'm not going to be like this. No, I'm not going to be like this. Guess what? That's your primary thought. There is this idea, and this is actually something I've been meaning to talk to you about just to get your opinion on, Elaine. So here we are. We'll do it behind microphones. But there's this idea in psychology that it's called the hate love. And it's everything that starts or that ends as something you're passionate about, you're typically skeptical of and outwardly not interested in. So you can think of like someone who may really, I'm, I'm, this is really stereotypical, so I apologize. But you think of like, stereotypical jock actually um, goes and sees a play. And he's like, this is dumb. I don't really like this. What are your thoughts? I don't really care for this. But inwardly, he's actually subconsciously trying to talk himself out of and or justify the fact that he finds this interesting. And ultimately, later on down the road, this becomes something that he's passionate about and actually ends up becoming an actor. Like this is like, it's a very common thing of, I think this is terrible. I think this is terrible. And a lot of times we can actually do that to justify uh, things we enjoy. We use the idea of that we focus so much on sin, 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 that it becomes our primary focus. And we lose the ability to receive life, 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 life. We are so focused on what the devil's out to try to do that we lose sight of what God is able to. We focus, focus so much on God's judgment and trying to please him or worship him. Or I mean, I'm talking like here, we can make idols out of worshiping Christ. Think about that. You can make so much of an idol that it becomes a show to worship God. It becomes an outward expression. I mean, that's literally like Jesus condemned in the Bible for that very thing of this outward expression whenever you should be uh, humble on the inside worshiping. Like we can become so obsessed with these appearances or sin or whatever those things are that we lose the intimate relationship with God who's just like, hey, let's just hang out. I just want to be with you in life. It's kind of the whole thing of like, People have often said like, oh, heaven, you're just going to be constantly bowing and constantly worshiping. And I'm just like, I don't believe that's heaven. And we can get on a whole other topic here. And I'm kind of kind of tie these together. And I'll turn it back to you, Elaine. But we we have this, this intense drive focusing on are people going to end up in hell that we remember to show people true love. And the ultimate truth of the matter is this. We cannot lead people to salvation. I'm using air quotes around that again. We don't even know what salvation truly looks like. A lot of people, a lot of biblical scholars do not even believe in hell. That's a whole other episode we're working on right now. 
a lot of people do not believe hell is a real place. And there's biblical grounds to back that, that idea up just as much as there is to go the other way. There is a lot of people who believe in uh, universal reconciliation, and there is some biblical evidence to back that up just as much as there is to go the other way. I'm not promoting that right now. Don't don't twist my words. What I'm saying is there are these thoughts out there, and they're not bad thoughts because— and, and we had a friend of ours who, who told us this just the other day, and uh, this is something he had heard actually while he was in Bible seminary, which is really interesting to me, but uh, it was basically the idea that everyone is a Christian, some of us just don't know it yet. And that is like the most profound thing. When we start looking at everyone is, you already have the love of Christ. These people already have the love of Christ. We take out that exclusive nature of, oh, wait, I'm a Christian, but they're not. I have to show them this way to behave. I have to try to help them. I have to try to lead them. And we take away that that part of the the, the that evangelical mindset and just go, you know what? I'm going to live as if all of these people already have the love of Christ because Christ already loves all of these people. And you just allow love to flow freely, which is what is being promoted so much. That's what people desire more than anything. But that's just something that like even we can learn from the LGBTQ plus community right now. They do a fantastic job of bringing in the broken, of bringing in those who have have just pain and agony. If if you if you can go to a rally and make 500 people cry just by handing out a hug from a parent because of neglect and leave from someone's life choices, that is not what the Bible teaches. I understand there are many Christians who don't, do not, and I say many, not all, but many Christians do not support the uh, homosexual lifestyle. But that doesn't make it right to turn away love from another human because God loves every one of us. And who are we to hold back his love? He says, go and make disciples. Love God and love people. Those are his commandments. If we're holding back the very thing God said to do, then we are, in essence, hoarding God to ourselves. We're hoarding. That's like being, I mean, it's actually talked about in the Bible of like what father would give his son a snake when asked when asking for fish or would give them a rock when asking for bread, you know, like who would walk past someone on the street who was dying of starvation and not offer up a meal? What would that say about us as society, as Christians? What would that say? There are people hungry for acceptance and love. And yes, you can accept and love someone if they're a different religion, a different belief. You can love and accept them you can be the love of Christ, and while I understand we may have differences in belief, we're a whole lot more in common than we like to realize. I kind of have, like, not a different perspective, but maybe an alternative perspective. Uh, that's how a lot of these people who are hurt by Christianity and by churches feel, as if they had a curiosity about Jesus. They had interest in faith and spiritual healing or just their spirituality, their journey, but all of the indoctrination, all the fear of hell, all of the um, over pruning and taking away people's identities and stuff really instilled that fear into them. And, you know, they wanted to pursue a relationship with Christ, 
but they don't want to pursue that relationship with Christ if it comes with all of that baggage. And so they actually have that passion to pursue that. But I feel like some of these people who have been hurt from church, who have walked away from church, it's out it's almost our fault that they're hurt. It's our fault that they're walking away. It's our fault that we didn't give them the freedom to express their interest in God, maybe in a different way of worship, or that we tried to force them and mold them into seeing God this specific way. But if they saw God a different way, we we just didn't give them that freedom. And it's kind of like the jock who is playing football, but he secretly loves ballet. It's, you know, these people who are hurt and don't want anything to do with faith or religion, secretly they want something to do with God. Secretly they desire that relationship, but they've just been hurt so much. They're like, you know, I, I, I don't want anything to do with any of this. Well, sure. And it's it's honestly a self-preserving nature. Like our our natural, if I say this, somebody's going to get mad. That's okay, though. This, this primal instinct that we have that it is, uh, it's, it's, we react out of fear and we react out of comfort. And those are the two driving things. And really, they're, they're the same thing. We have a fear of being uncomfortable. And uh, if you're hurt enough by something, it's kind of like when you touch the hot stove, you only do that so many times before you start going out of your way to not touch the hot stove anymore. And if you keep burning yourself, you're going to start developing this fear of the stove, of the heat, kind of like swimming. If you have an instance where someone pushes you under the water and holds you under too long, you can develop a fear of water. Or if a dog bites you, you can develop a fear of dogs, kind of like how I am with cats and being bitten because I have like a fear of cats biting. But have you been bitten by a cat? Yes. Have you been bitten by a dog? Maybe. How many cats have you been bitten by? One. How many dogs have you been bitten been by? I think just one. Okay, so why, are you, why aren't you afraid of dogs? Because dogs are nice. Okay, so are cats. But that's the whole point, is it's these irrational fears. I don't understand cats like I understand dogs, because I grew up with dogs. So because I do not understand it, I fear it. That's how the church views the homosexual community. That's how the church views Muslims. That's how the church views so many of these organizations. They don't understand it, so they fear it. And they take in these little half-truths, because everyone knows a half-truth is a whole lie. They take in these half-truths, and it becomes this irrational fear that is really, it's just decisiveness to keep people from experiencing true love. And on the flip side of that, you have a bunch of people who have been hurt who are more like the person who has been constantly attacked, constantly, you know, kind of going back to the analogy of like a dog, a stray dog who was abused. It takes a while to realize like, okay, not all people are bad. Well, there's there's a very significant amount of time there where they are very much like, yes, all churches are bad. All Christians are bad because that's the gen- general consensus they have received from more than one place. I, in my life, have had run-ins being someone who grew up in the church i've had multiple run-ins at multiple different churches i know of many other people who have had multiple run-ins at multiple other churches who have come up to this place where it's like you know what maybe god's not for me and that goes back to an episode we did quite a while back that's like god hurt versus church hurt we kind of parallel both between and uh we we kind of take all of our hurt from people in church and we parallel it over to God. And you know what? We're just done done with religion at that point. We're done with God. We don't want that. That's not true love. We're going to go try to do our own thing. 
And there's a large group of people saying, you know what, we're sick of this institution that keeps producing this. We're sick of this westernized view of church. I'm not trying to sound, I get the importance of church. I get the importance. I I, I want to be in church. Uh, I heard it said best by, once again, reading one of the Naked Pastors posts. He said, stay if you can, leave if you must. Yeah, stay if you can, leave if you must. And that's that's so powerful. Like, I get the importance of community, but I think we have taken the focus of the church away from what its true intent is. And it's a gathering of people in community with a like mindset and a like heart. The Bible never said we all had to agree on every way to do church. What the Bible said is we come together in the name of the Lord and we go and we do his work, which is showing his love. And also the exclusive religion of Christianity, of of what we're talking about, isn't just exclusive to the people who aren't following Christ, isn't just exclusive to the people outside of the church. It's just as much exclusive to the people inside of its walls. And just like with the LGBTQ plus community, there are a lot of closet Christians who they do believe in God, they do have that relationship, but they're afraid to tell people who don't because they don't want to inhibit that relationship with that person who doesn't. You know, there's a lot of fear of, of there's, there's a lot of people who don't want to talk about their religion or they don't want to talk about their faith in God. And they may have the strongest relationship with God, but they're afraid to tell people. They're afraid of if they mention that, then people will look at them differently. People will think, oh, well, you're part of that hate religion. You're part of mm-hmm. that fear mongering. And there are a lot of people who are like, I have a relationship with God, but I'm not going to call myself a Christian because there's too much to that. So it's not just exclusive to people outside of the church. It's also exclusive to the people inside of the church. There is so much drama and hate filled between, quote, Christians within the church. Yeah, I mean, it's just constant controversy. Like, I guarantee you, you know, if if Satan is a real being and he is sitting on the sidelines, he's probably just like the Michael Jackson meme eating popcorn at this point. Like, he doesn't even have to do anything anymore. We, we, we as a church make his life easy. And this, what you just said kind of ties back into something that I was going to say just a minute ago of like, the Western church has this mentality of a, like this capitalistic mindset. We run churches like businesses. We do things like businesses. And yes, I'm not trying to like dog on, like I'm not saying pastors shouldn't make money or make a livable wage or anything like that. Uh, There's lines both directions for that and there's a happy medium, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying structure. What I'm saying is we have taken this and become capitalistic. I even down to our ministry, the way we evangelize, evangelicalism is a very western capitalistic mindset because instead of showing love instead of you know and this goes to james and i think it's just one of the most beautiful things of james whenever you start kind of looking at it from this perspective of you know you show me your faith i'll show you my works what james is saying there is i'm tired of seeing all of you people parading around in your faith i'm tired of seeing you on facebook throwing out these spiritual uh jabs i'm tired of seeing you preaching a more holy-than-thou gospel or using your faith condescendingly. We all know someone who's doing that, right? Uh, Who just, who use their faith almost as like this condescending tool, which they they play it off as if it is, uh, oh, well, I just had this great relationship, but in turn, it's actually to bring guilt to you to make you, uh, to force you closer to God in their mind. And it's just this capitalistic 
mindset, this overbearing pop-up ad type mindset of like constantly in your face, constantly, constantly, constantly. Uh, you know, the Christian faith is used to make so much money in the media. It's used to win elections. It's used for political gain all the time. It is just, it's become a weapon. It is weaponized Christianity. It's really, it's it's psychological Christian terrorism. Like, I don't, like, this is a bold statement. I get that. But we talk about, like, oh, well, we, I say we, like, in conservative Christianity, a lot of times we talk about, like, the Muslims because, like, oh, they're nothing but a bunch of, like, you know, Islamic terrorists. Well, Christians do the same in a different way. Like, no, we're not killing people. At least not now in present day. Right, we have done that before. We have killed people in the past. You know, we, we've done that. We've killed Muslims in the past. Just like like that whole thing has been raging back and forth. That's not what I'm trying to narrow in at here. But like we, we torment people psychologically with our presence. And a lot of times we don't even realize we do it. We just do it because that's how we were trained to do because of that capitalistic. I'm sorry, I said that word a few times, but it's just, it, that's what it is. It's this, this hoarding of resources, hoarding of money, build it bigger, build it flashier, use our words to condescend uh, in a condescending tone to bring other people to Christ through their guilt by looking at me. And that's, that's what James is saying is like, you're showing your faith. You're using your faith as this banner but that's not winning anyone to Christ. I'll show you my works. I can see you walking with your big Christian flag down the road, but you walked past five homeless people on the way there who needed your help. I'll see you as there's a single mother with five kids whose husband left her and she is needing help, but is too afraid to ask for it. And you're too busy preaching about how God's gonna take care of someone's needs and you completely miss the point of actually taking care of someone's needs. Like that's that's just one of the most profound statements in the Bible to me that is so applicable to right now. And not only are people leaving religion, Christianity, faith, God, church, all of all the above as a whole, that's why you have the closet Christians who may are leaving the church, but they're diving deeper into the relationship that they have with God. They're, that's why there's ex-evangelicals. I don't know I don't know if you've seen that hashtag flowing, floating around, but there are groups of people who used to be evangelicals who were preaching these fear-mongering sermons, who were just, you know, hoarding resources, and some of them didn't even realize it. A lot of people don't on a lot of Christians don't on purpose try to fear monger, but there's a lot of people, a lot a lot of Christians who are calling themselves ex-evangelicals and actually chasing exactly who Jesus was to their best ability to follow exactly his teachings and not all of the indoctrination, all of the rule and law. And so why are we saying all this? Why are we just talking about all of this? What what can we garner? What can we gain? How can we learn? Of course, we have to talk about things to learn, but I just want to just, just say this. Christians, homosexuality is not the enemy. Atheism is not the enemy. Evolution is not the enemy. Democrats are not the enemy. We get so caught up focusing on the wrong thing. If we would quit focusing on what is the enemy and start focusing on how are we to love, then the love of Christ could flow so freely. When we quit focusing on, oh, that person identifies as gay, that person is a Muslim, that person 
is of this ethnic race or is of that descent. And we start focusing on that person is a child of God. That person was creating God's image. God has a reason for that person. That person's a Christian. They just don't even get it yet. When we can get that mentality and just allow our love to just be expressed as freely to the Muslim as it is to the homosexual, as it is to a deacon, as it is to a pastor, as it is to a child, then that unity can actually strive. That's how we unlock heaven on earth. That's how we unlock true intimacy, true relationship. That's just, that's how we get rid of the walls and we start to just blossom as as a faith again, and we allow Jesus to just be let free. That's why people are leaving the churches, because we're not doing that. We keep hammering home the same old things. And there's a group of people with a rainbow flag standing outside saying, I don't care what you look like, what you do, we're going to love you despite it. And we can learn so much from that. We can learn so much from that, because that's what that's Jesus's message. They're using his message. They may not even see it, they may be too wounded by our version of it to get that, but that's Jesus's message. And I'm proud they're spreading it. And we should be too. And I'm not sitting here trying to convince you of any certain lie. I'm not trying to convince you of who's going to heaven and who's not. I'm not convincing you of what is and isn't sin. I think that those are all conversations for the future. And those are really things that you just have a heart check between you and God. But it doesn't matter because it's not my business to figure that out. And the moment I start trying to, then I start sinning because at that point, I am putting myself above God. I become God in my own eyes and I completely shut out him from the equation and that's not acceptable. So with that being said, I just want to ask everyone this question. Who can we go and love today and show them love in a way that before we would have been too afraid to. What do I mean by that? Who can we go out and show love to today that breaks a stigma that we have carried from this religious baggage that has kept us from going and showing love? Who can we go out to today? Think of that person in your mind. Maybe it's someone you know, maybe it's someone you don't, but think of that person. How can I go out today and show love to someone in a way that before my religious baggage would have kept me from doing. So let's just take a second and recap what we just got through talking about. Churches can be exclusive, but God is inclusive. We spend too much time focusing on the bad, on the sin, on the negative, but we would be much better off spending time focusing on life. It's been said to us, and we love it so much, that everyone is a Christian. Some of us just don't know it yet. And we would start looking at people as if they're already loved by God because they are. It would take away so much of the prejudice we have against people of different sexual orientation, different religious beliefs, different upbringings. And it would unify us in a beautiful way to be able to just express God's love. James said it best, you show me your faith, I'll show you my works. Our goal this week and moving forward is just to show people the love of Christ by our actions, not just marching around with a flag, demanding everyone to march to the beat of our drum. We wanna hear from you guys. We wanna hear your heart on this topic. We have a community group just for this very thing, the Reckless Community. There's a lot of new stuff coming to that group, a lot of new life we're about to start breathing into so much of what we're doing here. And we would, this is like you're on the ground level if you hop in right now. The links are in the show notes below. Also, just a quick reminder about that email list. 
where you can reply directly back to these conversations and just have direct conversation with Elaine and I. We would love to hear from you. Also, if you haven't done so so far, we request that you just go down there to that box and leave an honest comment. That's the best way how we can figure out what we're doing right, what you guys are enjoying, and how we can better serve you moving forward. If this message spoke to you or you know someone that would really get something from this, share it on with a friend. That's the best way to keep the conversation going. We love you guys, and as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon.